Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is David Cook speaking to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. Last week, it was Detroit, Michigan. Yes, I move around a bit. But um, happy Monday to everybody. I hope you're having a great day. I hope that um, whatever you did over the weekend for your Halloween costumes and parties and stuff like that were healthy, fun, and enjoyable, and you didn't get in too much trouble. And uh, remember, don't steal your kids' candy tomorrow. That's for them. Anyway... Uh, that's the advertisement for the weekend. Um, I am excited about today's show because I have a uh, another um, exciting guest with a great story and a great message and a passion for learn- taking those experiences and moving them forward with other people so they can be empowered in their lives to see hope, opportunity, and change in their situation. So um, welcome, Tomei, to my show today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for welcoming me. You said that you started your uh, your day off uh, uh, in an inspiring, excited place. So I'm expecting this. I have high hopes for the energy to carry forward. So thanks for joining us today. Sure. So here we go. Um, you know, it, uh, I, I think I told you when we talked, and my guests are probably used to this now. Um, I love just having a conversation, very little formality. So um, rather than me try to introduce you, I'm going to turn it over to you, Tomei, and tell us what we need to know about you before we get started. Sure. Um, the first thing for me is to, um, I am El Tomei and Sawabana. That's the greeting to say, I see you, although we're not visually seeing each other, but it's a greeting that really embodies that I acknowledge your humanity. And I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I am a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a survivor, a scholar, and a woman of faith, and a self-proclaimed truth teller. Hmm. And I think it's important to know that I like to lead in that way because I prefer to connect to your humanity versus the alphabet behind your name. Um, However, for just getting to know a little bit more about me, I am a social worker. I am also a social justice warrior. I'm a restorative equity educator and a consultant to executives. And I really lean into helping people just engage in like compassionate conversations that are critical with care. Well, I love that. Compassionate conversations that are critical with care. So talk a little bit about that. What does that look like to you? Oh, wow. So uh, it's interesting that you say that because what that looks like is engaging in a conversation with someone with them in mind before you even say hello, (laughs) right? It's really thinking about the needs of the person and the reality of where we are in the state of the world today to recognize that love is the light that we need to overcome so many different barriers and and hostilities that we might face, right, during the day. So a compassionate conversation is really leading with curiosity and humility. And I love how you always leaned into that in our conversations prior to this day is is that humility piece. So if we lean in with curiosity and humility, then the conversation will take that compassionate 
um, nature, if you will, and mm-hmm. lead us into a deeper dive into whatever topic it is that that's critical to approach with care, to care front, and not to have the mindset of, oh, I made a mistake. Let me apologize later. No, let me be intentional on what I say before I even open my mouth and think about the person, the human in the room. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, we have a mutual friend, uh, Deb Shapira, who was on a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about, um, boiled it down. Now, there's a couple different ways I would go, directions I would go, but she boiled it down about being interested as opposed to being interesting. And I love the way she framed that because that's the whole idea is that, and for me, my passion, I, and I love the word humble because I don't see myself as humble, but thank you for sharing that. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, my 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 goal in life is to discover what other people have to offer or what they're passionate about or meet them where they are, you know, all those things. And the idea, the 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 only way I can do that, you use the word curiosity. Um, the only way I can do that is to create a safe space for somebody to be share with with me who they are. I have to be interested. I have to be curious. It's not about what I know, what I believe, what I do, you know, all those kind of things. It's about where are you and what is it that you want to share with me today about you um and just seeing where that takes us i I just think that there's so much power in that because now people because people will be resistant because they don't know if they're safe they don't know if they're going to be judged they don't know if they're going to be criticized they don't know if this is going to turn into something hospital if they speak their truth and i'm thinking like gosh you know that just limits so many opportunities if we if we show up in a different way other than that yeah, um, I agree with that. And I love um, that framing around being um, interested um, versus just being interesting, right? And leaning into that curiosity to find out more about the other person. I think it's important to to recognize that we're all human. Because I, I know people are like, well, of course we're human, but we don't really engage each other like that. Mm-hmm. We engage one another in this transactional way. Like I do this for you, you do that for me. And we don't need to know each other. We just need to benefit from one another. But that mutual benefit, um, the what makes it beneficial is if it's more than just a transaction, that is transformative, that it's actually listening to me that Mm -hmm. I'm heard, that you're heard. So, um, you know, just to throw it out there, my mission um, that I see as a calling for my own life is to disrupt this narrative of hurt people hurt people, Mm -hmm. right? And to reframe it into hurt people get help, hurt people get held, and hurt people heal. So they can, in turn, do the same thing. Because if we only teach people how to hurt out of our pain and vengeance, then I, I think there's a quote that if you do um, an eye for an eye, the whole world will be blind. Yeah, right? I just saw that. I just saw that quote. It was uh, actually it came they they attributed to Gandhi. Um, I thought was the was the quote, mm-hmm. and that, that's that's a really powerful quote, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, and thinking about um, some things is, you know, people say that um, I remember somewhere in, in one of the sermons or things I participated in church was they talked about um, you can't give love if you haven't experienced love because you don't know what love is unless you experience it. 
And so that's kind of like that message is, is that people in pain, if they don't experience love, will remain in pain. And chances are they will respond then in pain to whatever is going on. But if they experience love, there's a chance that in that moment of love, they say, wow, that was powerful. And there's a different kind of energy that comes from that experience. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what that's what we need more of <laughs> in the world, of course, and, and within ourselves. That's probably why we're talking today, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how did you how did you come upon all this magical wisdom? Mm. I lived it. <laughs> I lived it. And I think it's important for people to understand the power of the process that they had to go through. Because sometimes we we I'll speak from my perspective, right? I like to speak from the eye and not assume that I can speak for an entire population, even as a survivor, right? I can't speak for all survivors, but I can speak from my perspective. And it's this idea of I'm hurt, somebody else needs to fix me. And that's a myth. If we can begin right there, or the other thing is I'm powerless because of this harm that happened. No, that's another myth, right? You are not um, powerless. And you are more than the worst thing that you did. And, and and you are more than the worst thing that was done to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we can like embody those two things and really center, I'm going to keep coming back to humanity, just censoring humanity, you know, in the process, then we can be more kind to each other and make space for others to make mistakes and help them, if you will, fail forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, rather than cancel them rather than write them off, rather than other them and say those people, you know, or because they're a survivor, they don't have um, enough wisdom to make decisions for themselves, right? And I'm speaking from things that I had to face, even in my my, um, reaching out for some sort of treatment or meeting with different um, practitioners, if you will, that it wasn't always centered on what are the needs of the person before you and what are they actually saying they need versus what you already formulated in your mind because you have a degree and you have a skill set and a credential, mm-hmm. right? I think if there's an expert in the room over me, I'm that expert. And if there's an expert in the room over you, you're that expert. And I think if we can engage each other from that perspective, then we can share the wisdom and draw from the wisdom within and each other so we can move forward and heal, you know, in various scenarios and situations. Mm-hmm. That's, in, that's good. And I, rem- I, was, I was I was listening to you talk about sharing that with what popped in my head was, uh, and I've talked about this before on other podcasts, is uh, Brene Brown talks about proving, pleasing, performing, and perfecting, mm-hmm. that I have to become something in order to be accepted or in order to be approved or included and all that other stuff. And then when it ha- when you when you strive for those things, say you accomplish it, you find yourself in in a crowd that doesn't resonate with you because you're trying to be something that you're really not. And what you're what you're I, I hear you saying is that this is my story, this is my journey, this is my experience. It makes me authentically who I am. Embrace it move through life from that because that's that's the, where the power and the energy comes from is that pretty much what you're espousing yes absolutely absolutely yeah. that's awesome 
So what's the biggest challenge that you find when you're interfacing with people who, who are maybe stuck in their story? I think that one of the air, challenges. I used air quotes, air quotes, by the way. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a podcast, and I forget that I'm. I used air quotes and stuck in your story. So anyway, go ahead. Um, re- repeat the question again. What? Are, well, you, when you're interfacing with people and you know talking with different people, because you're 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 talking from your experience, but at the same time, you talked about your eye. As your as your eyes, you're 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 interfacing with people every day. And you're looking for them, helping, encourage them to find hope and opportunity. And and they go, I would, I could, if only, or I would like to, but and those kind of things. So when you when you're dealing with people who are stuck, how do you where do you start? How do you engage them? Well, engaging them right where they are um, in terms of helping them to examine why they feel stuck. Because one of the things that I find when I engage people who are survivors, who have experienced some form of harm or trauma is that what they're stuck in is retribution. What they're stuck in is vengeance. Mm. And what they're stuck in is this sense of powerlessness. Like, you know, I can't, I can't move forward unless the person apologized to me. I can't be this unless somebody acknowledges this thing for me. So my question that I often ask people, you know, do you want to heal? Because we make assumptions that people want to heal. And because I'm a woman of faith, it's also connected to me understanding that, um, there was a point in place when when Jesus in the Bible, I'm not preaching to anybody, but this is my my experience and my lens, when he had to ask the person asking for help, do you want to be healed? Mm. Are you willing? Because if they say yes, then they are responsible for that healing. We can't place that responsibility on someone else. Yes, it takes a village right? Not to just raise a child, but it takes a village for us to come together so we can move forward and unpack the things that have disrupted the um, harmony in the village. However, there's a responsibility for survivors. And and that's how they begin to feel unstuck is to know that they have the power, that Mm -hmm. the thing that happened to them, it really impacted their perception. To the point that now they perceive that they're powerless, but they're not. And it's been moving from that point. Yes. So there, well, I I didn't want to cut you off. I thought you were done. Sorry. Um, But so there's a difference between, yes, I want to, I want to, I want to move from here as opposed to yes, but yes, I want to move here, but something else has to happen for me to believe it's possible for me to accept the, you know, the, you know, the notion and stuff like that. Is that pretty much what it is? Yes. Because the something else that needs to happen is it's on them. It's mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. It's an internal choice and decision and action that the person who was impacted, they need to make. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, um, last week uh, we had uh, Keelan um, Washington on the show and I know, you know, Keelan and, um, you know, just kind of thinking of those stories, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you have a journey, but there was a place and we've all had experiences in our life where we felt like somebody else had control, authority, influence over us. 
And in some cases, in in, in Keelan's story and stuff like that, um, it was it was traumatic. It was it was a life changing power thing. Um, and she was able to shift out of that. She got away from her um, her abuser and stuff like that. But is that that is that what that happens? Is that you get to a point where you feel like you've lost control, therefore you have a struggle to take control? Yes, actually, it's this sense of so what happens, you know, with trauma and and what happens with people. Um, who are survivors, and and even what happened with me was this sense of I don't have any power, um, and I'm worthless, so I don't deserve any power because I start internalizing the messages from the act. Right, the act was atrocious. The act was horrible. You know, so of course my perception was altered and distorted to to the point that I started believing that. I deserved it. Mm. So it's something that happens to you psychologically that you start buying into the lie mm -hmm. that you deserve to be controlled. You deserve to ha um, have someone tell you your every move and what you can't do and, and threaten you and, and give into that fear because it's, it's your, your esteem that's taking a beating. It's your sense of self-worth that's being attacked. And again, it goes back to perception. If you buy into the lie, because a lot of times survivors, people impacted, um, and even for myself, it's like, why did they do that? I just want to know, like ruminating on it. Why me? Why did they pick me? You know, is it because I appear weak or, and you start like having this negative self-talk because you're trying to fill in the blank. Hmm. So sometimes the, the reconciliation that we need to make with the truth is that you won't always be able to fill in the blank. You won't always have someone to say, I apologize. And you won't always have someone to be able to point to and say, oh, great. Yes, that person did it. And now how can we do a process or how can they be held accountable? Because sometimes you don't know who the person is that caused harm. Mm -hmm. Or back to that sense of powerlessness, they, they have become so big in your mind that you think they're all powerful, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why I said, when it comes to being stuck and moving away from this, I'm, I'm a victim, I, I can only heal if somebody else helps me or do this or do that. No, it's really to unpack the, the system of harm that has erected itself within mm -hmm. because of, you know, the atrocious thing that was done to you mm -hmm. or that traumatic act. Interesting. So I, I love this whole thing about um, about control and stuff like that. This because you know what was one of the big discoveries that I had in the transformation of my life was, you know, ironic. We talked a little bit about control before we got on the show, but anyway. Um, but there's what you have control of, and there's what you don't have control of. And they're having making that recognition that I yes, I do have I do have power, I do have control, I do have influence, but I can't control how somebody else experiences something. I can only control how I respond to it or how I live through it. And if I want them to, you know, I'm breaking away or whatever, you know, I was, while you were talking, I'm going to use a quick story as I had a friend years ago. She was in a, a, nothing like some of the traumatic stories, but she was in a very unhealthy marriage and her husband controlled her every move. He was um, probably, you know, I would say 
abusive to a point, not physically, but definitely very emotionally abusive. And finally, she broke away from him and, you know, divorced him and stuff like that. And she got really pissed off because he turned right around, found a girlfriend, married her, and life was, his, he, his life didn't meet it, miss a beat. And she's going, I just wanted him to suffer. Is if I think, and if that's why you divorced him so he could feel the pain of being a jerk, you're going to be disappointed. What you need to celebrate is the fact that you got out of that and now you can live the life that you desire. And but mm-hmm. she was looking over her shoulder, going, I wonder if he's I wonder if he feels lonely, sad, disappointment, shame, guilt, whatever. I'm thinking, what what there's no energy in that. In fact, actually, there's no joy in that, waiting for him to be unhappy. No, just celebrate the fact that you're free. Yes. Yes. You know, so that's when I hear that, I think of that, you know, that story kind of resonates with me. I'm thinking, man, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a missed piece there. It so. is. And it, and it also goes back to the whole notion of, you know, even people when they're starting to get their life back, they say things like, I'm getting vengeance by getting my body in shape. Right. Um, so then it's like, that's, that's telling. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's still about what you brought in about Brene Brown with the pleasing and performing and proving. I need to prove to somebody that I'm this. And what we're actually doing when we make those type of statements or declarations is we're actually um, agreeing with the harm that was done to us. Mm-hmm. So we're actually saying that, yes, because I wasn't fit, because I wasn't this, because I wasn't good enough, I'm deserving of the treatment this person gave me. So, again, it's a lie. And we're buying into the lie. We're believing the lie. We're living the lie. And the only way to, to counter that lie is by facing it and, and dismantling it because it has become um, a part of who we are as we move through the world and navigate. So I, I always leaned into that with people when I work with them with that notion of I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my life back because I'm going to show him. No. Mm-hmm. Get your life back because you are worthy of it, because you are deserving of it, because you are priceless. Get your life back because it's the right thing to do for you, Mm -hmm. not to cause harm to somebody else. You know, um, my husband always say a harm for harm does nothing to heal anyone. Mm, That's a good one. (laughs) It does nothing. You married married wisely. (laughs) I did. I did indeed. Um, that he's my forever love. And, and that would not have happened if I didn't begin that internal work to heal. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see all men as a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. You understand? So I didn't see them as a threat or think that just when it's getting good, the, the shoe's going to drop, you know, because that's what trauma does. You know, I I am a survivor of multiple traumas. I'm a survivor of intergenerational trauma. And I name that because if we don't name a thing, then we kind of shrink back and hide in the shame of it all. Mm-hmm. So it's important. That's that's the importance of like sharing stories, not to share details to make you more um, traumatized, mm-hmm. but to go back in and retrieve those lessons, you know, mm-hmm. of of when people tell me things like, oh, um, I'm doing a workshop on how to be resilient. Um, I don't need to do a workshop on how to be resilient. <laughs> I, I'm already resilient and I inherited resiliency, you know, mm-hmm. just by virtue of who I am as a woman um, from the African diaspora, right? So 
it, it, it really connects back to just centering you, the person who needs to be healed in the process and not censoring the, the vengeance, you know, or the pain and recognize that the pain is happening for a purpose. The pain shows up to me like an alarm. Your alarm go off to say, hey, you got to get up. Hey, you got to do this. So for me, the pain is the, the purpose alarm that there's an action you need to take to shift your life. Hmm. Say that again. The, the, the pain is like a purpose alarm. <laughs> okay. It, it, it goes off to let you know that there's some action, there's some movement, there's a shift that needs to be taken in your life. So when you're experiencing pain, that's that's basically a call to action. Move, it is. Move, yes. move, from, move from where you are to where you need to be or to where you desire to go or something like, but whatever it is, it's move out of this. That's right. That's what it, right. Don't partner with the pain. <laughs> right. Partner, partner with the purpose, partner with the progress, partner with the promise, but don't partner with the pain. That's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Pain has its purpose. Let it do its purpose, but it's not for us to partner with it and just stay stuck. That's right. So like if you're, you know, kind of like a, a, a very analogous, if you step on a nail in your bare feet, you don't stand on that nail. You you get the hell off of it. <laughs> exactly. You take action. <laughs> it's right. I'm getting that hurt. Dang. <laughs> and boom. <laughs> that's yeah, that's interesting. I like that. And, a lot. and you attend to the wound. Oh, you attend I, to it. Right. Yeah, you call attention to you call attention to the pain and move out of it, and then you mm-hmm. take a, after that you look at it and say, "Wow, what ha- what what just happened?" And right. you tend to it. Right. Man, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I have a whole new a whole new visual for things, but anyway, that's great. Um, all right, we're almost we had like two minutes. I'm trying to think where to go here when in two minutes. What 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 else would you like to share that that uh, we haven't talked about yet, or something that you want to tease as we go into break? See well, really, cre- see how creative this, you are. <laughs> <laughs> this whole notion of um, silence, right, and and the narrative that silence is golden, and and to show how it's golden and how it's not, mm. right. If we can really unpack that, how it's golden and how it's not, because that is something that perpetuates harm. Because survivors are often dismissed, mm-hmm. diminished devalued, unheard, and unseen, you know? So, um, and it's because of the stigma, which is um, driven by silence. Mm-hmm. It's driven, and it's driven by ignorance, right? Because people don't understand the whole story or the whole thing. So they they create their own narrative or society creates a narrative around it that makes it convenient and and, and acceptable. And then that becomes the story instead of really truly what's going on right mm-hmm. yes yeah it's interesting okay well we're going to visit that then we're going to talk about um breaking the silence which is a which is a great thing it's kind of like i was you know tell tell my audience really quick you know before we got on the show i kind of complained about something that was going on i did some whining and you were like hey you know at least you at least you recognize it and you're moving on from it i'm thinking wow that was way too easy but anyway you didn't and you also didn't go i'm sorry you're going through that it was more like you say you found a positive thing in the fact that i acknowledged what i was experiencing and gave me space to just share my little 
gripe or complaint. But anyway, that was uh, we're going to talk about that more. All right, we're going to come back from a break. Um, El Tomé's um, obviously got a lot of wisdom, so we're going to have some fun with this. But we're going to talk about silence and and sharing and authenticity and being open, transparent. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, I'm back with Elta May. We're talking about... Um, actually, we're talking about a lot of things, but I love the way we're doing this is that it's basically meeting people where they are, um, helping them uh, recognize and share their story and recognize how their story, the way they're sharing it or the way they view their story um, can get them stuck and opportunities that we can have by you know giving them the power and the authority to change where they are and move from it. And I love the analogy that we stumbled across right at the end is it's like, you know, stepping on a nail and you feel the pain. You don't stay in your pain. You move from the move off the nail, tend to the wound and move forward. And I think that's that's gosh, that's beautiful. Um, I'm going to figure I probably have a blog on that now because <laughs> I'm digging that so much. But thank you for that. Um, when, when, just as just as we took a break, uh, you talked about something. I think the uh, the notion of silence is golden. And there's just some things, you know, we, we, we tell ourselves there's some things that we just can't talk about. And um, so we've, we've, we've accepted, or at least we've decided that some rules just are, are, those are the rules. And what you're basically, you're saying is, is that, you know, for us to connect as human beings, for us to be in community with each other, 
we need to be real with each other. And in being real with each other, it's, it's sharing things that sometimes are uncomfortable because it's, it's things that they don't understand or they haven't experienced or they can't relate to, but that doesn't mean that we can't share it. It means it's an opportunity for you to find healing in the sharing. And it's an opportunity for somebody else to find learning in the sharing. Is that, is that kind of like the summary? But I, now that I've summarized it, I'm still going to go back to you and say, go deep with this. <laughs> no, you, yes, that's it. That's it. Um, to understand that uncomfortability and, and healing in the sharing as well. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you move past it? Because there's just, are some things we're not allowed to talk about, you know, simplistically, right. We're not allowed to talk about religion and politics, but you and I are talking about trauma. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very open about my experience with my son's substance abuse issues, not just not to share his story, you know, cause I don't, it's his story to tell, but it's my story as a dad, as a parent, going through some very difficult, painful things. And I, I can't say that I go, woohoo, I'm going to tell this story. But at the same time, it's like, I just always felt like, you know, crap, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm not, not on my game today. And you guys are all wondering what's up with Dave. So I go, what, you want to know what's up with me? My son's in jail. That's what's up with me. I'm not having any fun right now. Mm-hmm. You know, now people go, holy shit, what kind of parent is Dave for his kid to be in jail? I was like, what? That's, if that's the story you want to, that's where you want to take that story, knock yourself out. But that's not really, you know, that's not why I'm sharing. I'm sharing to be authentic with you in my struggle to see, give you permission to share with me something that's going on in your life. Right. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't easy, but it's. I appreciate you sharing that because it is important. The one thing that I do know is storytelling, um, listening to the narratives of others, you know, and holding on to that. It, it helps connect us. It helps us to get to know other people. It helps to humanize us, right? We're humanized by the human experience. And, and that authentic connection is what is so powerful. You know, when we think about trauma, and so I, I have this thing that I, I talk about trauma. I say that, and I love acronyms. I think I shared that with you before. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm an acronym queen. So for trauma, trauma is is tormenting, right? It torments you. Um, it ridicules you with intrusive thoughts. Um, that's the R. The A is it's aggressive. It's relentless in how it shows up at the most inconvenient times, right? And you can be in a space that feels or seems or appear to be loving. And yet somebody can walk by with a perfume on and it triggers mm. a memory of a harm, right? Um, and, and the you is it undermines our self-value and our self-perception and it alters the way we engage the world and how we view the world. And then the M is about um, trauma. It molds or shapes and influences our beliefs. Mm. Right. It, it, it gives us this new story that we can either buy into the lie it tells us. Or we could counter that lie with our truth, our intrinsic truth that we are inherently worthy and, and deserving. And last, the A is antagonistic. You know, trauma doesn't show up to be your friend, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially um, 
I, I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I know in panic attacks and anxiety attack and having a panic attack, feeling like I'm having a heart attack, right? And knowing the difference between the two, right? It's just such a burden that people who experience trauma and pain have to bear in society as they heal. Because so much is required of us to heal so we can get back to uh, some sense of normalcy. And, and for me, I, I don't try to get back to normal because, you know, the normal, as I, I now know, it has been changed forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's about recreating it. So that's why I talk about silence um, is not golden. And we need to, so it can be, and, and how it's golden is when we get to a place where we can just be with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had a, a a relationship one time with a friend, just a a platonic relationship, and I remember every time we would get in her car, music had to come on, blasting music. We walked into our apartment. The first thing she did was turn on the TV. Always had to have something on. And one day, I just said, "How are your thoughts?" And she said, "Why are you asking me that?" I said, because, you know, we've been friends for a while and and I noticed that you don't like to enter in spaces where there's silence, right? And and so that silence for her was, yeah, because of those intrusive thoughts, Mm. right? The things that come up. So she had to play music. She had to play this. But the silence, when it becomes golden, is when you get to a place where you could just be with you, love you. See yourself, you know, in your your um, your birthday suit, if you will, <laughs> in the mirror and love you and be able to just relax with a book or with nothing on, nothing playing and know that your thoughts, even if something pop up, you can sit and engage. You know, we, we have this fear in society oh, if somebody, if I they think I'm talking to myself, then something must be wrong with me. No, if you're not talking to yourself. You know, (laughs) let's have a conversation, too, because, you know, we are our most powerful advocates and we can also be our own enemies. Right. The inner enemy. And so when you think about silence being golden, it's golden when it's our choice. To be golden, to be silent, Mm -hmm. to use it to meditate or mindfulness moments or practice. Um, The other reason why silence is not golden is because silence is the leading um, guideposts for stigma. Silence is the gatekeeper of shame, Mm -hmm. right? Because where there is silence and when survivors and people who experience trauma or people who, who experience these taboo, you know, subjects, right? that we're not supposed to talk about. Um, That makes people just withdraw into this space of shame, you know, and they start internalizing that message, right? So we have to really understand that silence is a gatekeeper. And what are we gatekeeping? And why are we gatekeeping the truth of people who have a story to tell? Why are we gatekeeping the experiences of people who are actually living it? Because we done read a book, got a degree, got a credential, you know. And listen, I'm I'm in a PhD program. 
right? So I'm still speaking from my lived experience and the way I view my pursuit of my my doctorate, uh, my PhD um, degree is that I'm simply returning to school to get a credential to match what I already have as a skill set and as a human being, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm getting the language and the theories to put into practice. You know, it's not about I want to research people just so I can write a paper and be famous and tell people I'm an expert in something that I didn't even live or I didn't even listen to another person who lived it, right? No, it's about how can I use my my degree? How can I use my platform to really, you know, widen the lens of how people view the world and themselves? you know, how they view themselves if they're a survivor of any type of trauma or taboo topic or how to view the world. If you didn't experience that, you know, I've been in spaces where I used to be a a rape hospital advocate and we would have to do these trainings and somebody, we was in the training and they said, yeah, that's because they're weak. And I was like, huh, excuse me? Who's weak? Oh, because I would have fought them off. You know, and it's that kind of language that that stigmatizes people wanting to speak out. It's that kind of language that judges and perpetuates, you know, the culture of harm that already exists. It's that language that lets me know that your degree isn't helping you in this moment because <laughs> you don't have the insight you need. So it's is we have to match our heart and our hands with our heads, right? And then put feet to it, right? That's some action. You know, hands to reach out and touch other people, heart to hold and fill their stories. The head, because we're intelligent thinking beings, but let's put some feet to all of this stuff so we're not stuck with that, um, what they call paralysis of analysis, mm-hmm. Right you know, intellectualizing everything and not just bringing it back down to the core value of we are humans. So can Mm -hmm. we just be human together? But there are some things that make people very uncomfortable. And that's good. So uh, only, (laughs) only if you, only if you're okay being uncomfortable. Well, here's the thing. There's no growth in, in comfortability. There's no growth there. That's like being in a, a pond that's been sitting and people have been dumping stuff into it and there's no outlets, there's no fresh stream of water coming. No, like we need growth. We need to be able to grow through what we go through, right? And I, I was in a space before and I had someone, it was a training years ago for restorative um, practices and restorative justice, justice for healing circles. And there was someone um, in the group because the prompt was share something about yourself you want people to know. And I shared that I'm a domestic violence survivor, right? That's it. But when it got to somebody else, they said, "Um, I didn't come here to hear about domestic violence. That's not what I came here for. But they came to a training about restorative justice that's rooted in indigenous values that centers on relationship, community, and healing harm. Right. Right. But you don't want to hear about domestic violence. That's interesting. And I wasn't educating on it. I just simply declared that's who I am. Yeah. But when when the, the talking piece got back to me, you know, and I said, as I, I listened to you speak, 
I kind of thought about it and said, you know what? It took me 38 years to finally open my mouth and and say what happened to me. It took me 38 years to find my voice. It took me 38 years to look at myself and call myself beautiful. So if you're feeling uncomfortable in this moment, I just invite you to take that uncomfortability and only imagine 1% of what it's like for the person who's actually experiencing domestic violence. Right. I'm not asking you to try to imagine, but just take that uncomfortability. And then I said, and I'm also happy that you're uncomfortable because it shows me that you have a conscience. Mm. Right. That's the test. You have a conscience. It pricks your conscience. Sure. So it's now that you know, what do you do with the knowing? That's yeah, it's funny you say that because, it, it, you know, that a lot of times when you say something that puts people on the defensive. The fact that they're on the defensive means that they recognize that they 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 are in an uncomfortable place. Because if yes. they weren't on the defensive, they would be numb or dead. Right. <laughs> yes. I like that a lot. Um, but it's funny, you know, back to that thing is I didn't come here for this. But the point is, is that what they did was they created an expectation. I'm going to participate in this so that I feel good that I'm enlightened. It's again, they're 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 perception of what they were going to experience was going to be something that would make them feel good. And what right. you said, you're going to have to go through some discomfort to feel better, you know, but it could big contrast, big contrast. Um, I don't want to think about this because I just think of these people who live, just fight to live these safe, protected lives. They fight for their, for their need to be safe. They build walls and silos and, neighborhoods and schools and all that stuff to keep their sorry asses safe because that stuff you know will never happen to me you know i'm thinking this individual probably said you know i'm a domestic abuse survivor that would never happen to me really you know i was raped that would never happen to me um how do you know my mm. kids my kids using drugs that would never happen in my house really <laughs> I told that story 20 something years ago. Um, you know, only kids who are dumbasses um use drugs. Well, my son is not a dumbass and he used drugs. What happened? Was that a bad parent? No, I I was a good parent. My kids my son will say to this day, I know I was loved. So it wasn't a parenting issue, but somebody goes, that would never happen. It's like you don't know. What you need to know is you need to know the story so you can relate to it and you can learn from it. Uh-huh. But that's it's 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 icky stuff, man. It is, you know, and and I kind of reflect. I I, I worked um, with the New York City Department of Sanitation and retired from the New York City Department of Sanitation at a time when it wasn't a lot of women um, on the job. So, needless to say, I had my experiences there um, with harm and trauma. However, you know, I was able to make this connection that. People, I, I used to have people like pull up in their car and throw garbage at me, right? Just mean, right? People being mean until they kind of found out like sanitation workers really have a good thing going on with their benefits and the money they can make. And then everyone w- wanted to be a sanitation worker after that. But to bring it back to where I was going, it just this mindset of somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do the dirty work. Somebody has to do the the grunt work. And for me, I think the the hardest thing I did was face myself. 
in those moments when I felt worthless, when I kept attracting men that were abusive because that's what was comfortable. And that that was the time when I partnered with pain. Pain was all I knew. So, you know, now I'm at a place that I partner with pain and hung out with pain for so long, I can see pain. <laughs> and I see pain in others. You know, and that's why I say I, I love working with women, especially who hide their pain behind a spell. Like we don't have to hide. We can actually talk this thing out. But the talking has to begin with ourselves first. And it goes back to something you said around parenting, that a lot of parents, they're stuck on the image of a thing. Mm-hmm. How is it going to make me look? And I love how you said, no, it's not a, it's not about me. And when we can start looking at our, our children, our young people, because I also work with young people who experience, you know, trauma, um, sexual harm, bullying, and things of that nature. We have to understand that they are independent thinking beings, that they have a right to autonomy and self-determination and exploration of the world that they're encountering, and that they're going to make decisions based on whatever is influencing them. And if parents can detach themselves from that, then we can be more helpful to holding space. Because I have grown adult children and to this day, my, my daughter will, you know, check in with me and say, hey, I, I'm thinking about going to this party. She doesn't have to have that conversation with me, you know. And even when my son was in college and he called me from campus saying, I want to go to this party. What do you think? And I'm like, well, I don't have a good feeling about it. I don't know what it is. Something is saying in my gut, no. You know, but you can absolutely go. I wouldn't know. He -hmm. didn't go. And then a few days later, we saw that that party landed in the news. So I think because I I created spaces where I listened to them, even though they may have said some difficult things that I had to hear, even about how I parented, it was still information to help me. you know, unpack what they said, look at it, take the lesson and move forward and move differently mm-hmm. based on the needs that they shared. So I, I just really want parents to to not make it about themselves when it's about their kids. Sorry, I had a little tickle there. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's kind of it goes back to the um, what we said before is what you did was you've created a space where your children know they're safe with uh, with their story, with their truth. And they show up and they they know that they can talk about their concerns, their worries, their doubts, their plans, whatever it is. They can show up and they can have a healthy conversation with you and you from a place of love and concern. And, you know, those kind of things, you can speak your truth back to them and they accept it for what it is. And you're not telling them what to do, but if they're coming to you and asking you for guidance and direction, feedback, whatever, it's like, yep, as long as you're asking, I will I will speak my truth to you. Mm-hmm. But there, there's really no confrontation in that. And I think that back, you know, back to like what you're talking with parents right now, parents, you know, I remember talking with this kid at the YMCA years ago and trying to get him to recognize that he's free to make his choices. So you don't know my dad. <laughs> And his his friends all laugh. Yeah, you you've not you don't know his dad. And it turned out his dad was some highfalutin attorney and 
basically had his son's, you know, career path mapped out and the kid had no desire in living that path. But that didn't mean he had a choice. He just didn't have any desire. He didn't have a choice. He could, you know, he could fight it. But back to, you know, how do you, how does a 14 year old child fight a father who's determined very obviously, very forcefully determined the path? It's, you know, it's unhealthy. Who knows what kind of scars that kid has? You know, that was 10 years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. you could find him. Is he on the path? And then maybe he's on the path, but who knows if he's enjoying it, you know? But, yeah. You know, um, we're going to run out of time. I hate when we run out of time. We could do this all day long. <laughs> but a really quick, I you know, back to, you know, one of the story. I'm going to tell a quick story, and then I'm going to let you wrap up. In fact, I'm not going to tell a story. Forget it. I'll come back to it someday. I'll just remember, say, remember when I was... Um, but, you know, tell us, uh, how we can find you if, um, you know, this message resonates with somebody and they say, you know, I want to talk to her more. How do we get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach out and connect with you? Oh, wow. So the, the best way would be right now email because my, both of my websites are actually under, um, what they say uh, under construction. construction. Yes, under construction. That scaffolds um, and everything up. <laughs> yes, but I can be reached at Tomei at brandmebeautifulinc.com. Okay. Um, anyone so, can reach out to me there. Tomei at brandmebeautiful.com. Brandmebeautifulinc.com. Brandmebeautifulinc.com. You also, that's your same on Instagram, right? Yes, yes. Um, also, well, on Instagram, I, I use El Tomei and, and Facebook, I use El Tomei. Um, I also use info at worthjustice.org um, in my other capacity. Look at <laughs> you. Several hats. <laughs> You're all over the place. You're all over the place. Well, I'm in, in two places. <laughs> And you got all this degree stuff going on. You're just like uh, you're on, you're on fire. Yes, I am, and thank you. And it's it's really to disrupt and dismantle the systems of harm that are operating in people before we begin to disrupt and and dismantle the harm that's operating in the world. Say that again. I love it. <laughs> disrupt and dismantle the harm that is happening within people before we can go out and disrupt and dismantle the harm happening in the world. We need to attend to the wounds in our own hearts first. That's true. You know, I laugh because a lot of things that I do as a, I know I work in business as a consultant and um, I'm very unconventional. I make people uncomfortable because I believe in disruption. We have all these formal structures that really have no reason for existing they just kind of happen it's like why why are we doing this i don't know it's like oh man let's blow it up then let's step back and blow it up and do what we know we need to do as opposed to doing something that somebody told us we had to do but we don't know why or how you know and i think that's what you're saying is let's you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take a look at me i'm gonna blow it up i'm gonna build it up and i'm gonna move forward and change the world Mm -hmm. exactly exactly awesome well, uh, Alpha May, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. It definitely was awesome. Good deal. All right. For everybody else, we have a week of joy before our next episode. And remember, like I always say, is open your heart, open your ears, open your mind. Once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. 
We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.